Welcome to the Redemptions Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information, feel free to visit our website, redemptionshill.com. Amen. Well, good morning. There we go. It's good to see you. A uh, couple just quick notes. Uh, I said a little bit about it last week, but just a reminder again, uh, the last Sunday of December, uh, we won't be having service. Uh, that week, there's going to be a lot of people who are probably still gone, uh, and it may not be a bad idea if we're with our families to kind of hedge our bets and give a little extra buffer time before we gather. So on the 27th, there'll be no live gathering. There also won't be a live stream or a YouTube video that week. So uh, enjoy Christmas, enjoy the family. I would encourage you to break apart or break open the word uh, wherever you're at on Sunday, whether you're with your family or uh, just by yourself, whatever you're doing. Uh, but come back in January, ready to go. Uh, but if you show up here on the last Sunday, uh, you won't be able to get in unless you know the door code. You can, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise coming in. So uh, that's not on the notes. Anyway, uh, it's good to see you. Um, for those of you who are at home, we've done a little work this week on the live stream to get audio sounding a little better. I hope that that's better. I know last week it was uh, rough. So uh, hopefully this is better. So um, this morning we are going to be in week two of a three-part series over Advent. Um, we covered it briefly last week, but, but it's worth mentioning uh, again, Advent simply means coming. Uh, so an Advent series then, because of that, is a pretty focused series only looking at the coming of Christ, how the first Advent or coming of Christ speaks into our lives in the here and now, and then we look forward into the promise of the second Advent or coming, and we see really how that changes our lives completely. So singular focus, the coming of Christ and the fact that he will come again. And, and the premise for us is, is this, we need reminding. We are forgetful people with a ton of things on our minds. I, I kind of call the, the holiday gauntlet that time from Thanksgiving till New Year's where our schedules uh, are, are pretty hectic. And I would say even in a, in a, in a COVID year, uh, we're still running at a faster pace than we normally would. We're, we're thinking of who we'll see uh, and when uh, around the holiday seasons, uh, maybe how we'll split family time between different groups, especially as we're trying to maybe stay in smaller groups, uh, what gifts to buy and for who. Uh, maybe you have family members hounding you for gift lists for you or your, your family or children. Maybe you're arranging buying things or getting things set up because you host a, a meal and you want that to be just right. There's a lot of stuff that kind of needs to be done. Uh, and then on the other side of the coin, it's not only business, Busy, uh, the holiday season can also be, uh, f- for some of us, a, a time of, of pain and a time of stress. It can be uh, a really inconvenient reminder of uh, maybe family pain from the past, uh, family disappointment, uh, maybe even family absence uh, from the way that you wanted things to be and the reality of how they are. The holiday seasons can be a stirring of, of maybe difficult emotions for some who want a family unit that they don't have now, whether you don't have children children or not in a married relationship and you want that, that can stir some kind of difficult things. Uh, and also it's a heavy time if you've lost someone in the holiday
holiday season just kind of stirs in you the reality that you really, really wish that they were going to be there with you for this holiday season. So uh, because of the complex busyness, uh, because of the distractions galore, and really because of the possible weight and pain that the holiday seasons can bring, we are slowing down, we are downshifting, we're moving out of the, the passing lane into the slower lane on purpose so that we can shift our gaze onto Christ, his person, and what he's done and what that means to us. On purpose, slowing down. The world tells you to go faster. We're telling ourselves to slow down, to focus namely on the reality that God put on flesh and came down to earth. Christ stepped into uh, what we have to understand, what would have been a tragedy, he stepped into it and instead crafts a way for a beautiful story of redemption and triumph in him and for his glory that we get to be a part of. That's a pretty significant turnaround. And here's what I wanna challenge you with just a little bit before we dive too far into the Advent stuff for today. The, the gospel is this, that Jesus came to save sinners who are without hope, hopeless. Through his life, his perfect obedience he obeyed in every way that we kind of struggled to, uh, his death and his resurrection. Uh, and one day, he will literally make right everything that is broken. The, the gospel is this beautiful news. Christ came in, fixed what we broke, and will fully fix all things at one point. That news is either uh, one of two things. It's either a lie and we are just insane for even being here, uh, or it is... Uh, the most important truth in the universe that you will ever hear. Right? There's no middle ground. There's no in-between. It's not kind of neat news. It, it's either nothing or it's literally everything. It either does nothing or it changes all things about our life because of that. Uh, for those who follow Christ, for Christians, Advent and Christmas is not uh, just a time where families uh, get together and give uh, gifts to loved ones. It, it celebrates the time when the gospel of God was given breath. It, when hope was literally born. It my, marks the time that our greatest reality uh, or our greatest hope was no longer like wishful thinking or a far off dream, uh, but it was actually a reality because of Christ. I wonder if you've grasped a hold of that this year. The gospel is the best thing that you'll ever hear. Uh, because there have been times where uh, my heart personally with great clarity has grabbed a hold of that this year. And then there is other times where it has not where all the things going on, all the distractions, all the worries, all the pains, they've kind of eclipsed the greatest news that I could ever have. Today's aim is to battle well. What, what does that mean? To fight to remember what the greatest news you'll ever get actually is so that it'll bring it into a clear focus for our hearts that we have been given immeasurable grace through God who sent Jesus to rescue us. The hope is that that would be bigger, that that would be a bigger deal for us. Last week, we focused primarily on the hope that Advent brings into our lives. And a large drive of that message was to ask this question from all of us, is it possible, just maybe, is it possible that hoping in, in tons and tons of lesser things over the year has diluted our ability to be able to receive the greatest hope available to us through Christ, right? We've hoped for a lot of things, has all of your hope been extinguished on all of those other things and not been put on Jesus? And with that, this week, we cross over from the concept or the focus of hope, and we move into the topic of joy. The, the important realization that I want us to make, though, as we do that, though, is these two topics are not one-offs that are disconnected from each other. 
Uh, they're actually linked together. You cannot pull hope and, uh, and joy apart. They're seamlessly put together uh, as one of them directly leads to the other in a progression in the Christian heart. What do I mean? Hope is the path to Christian joy. You will not get to joy without hope. Without hope, there's literally no chance for you to hit Christian joy. That's specifically why we asked the question last week, have you wasted all your good hope on 2020? Uh, It's why that question was so important because if we had, if all of our hope has been placed on a return to normalcy, a vaccine, uh, elimination of, of social distancing, your political party, if all of our things have been put there, then practically what we have done is we have set ourselves on a path to nowhere meaning at least you are on a path that will absolutely not take you to the full and immeasurable joy available to you through Christ. The joy of Christ in Christ is available through the hope of Christ. That's what we're looking at in the first advent and also in the solid promise of God for a second advent. Now, to talk concisely and clearly about joy from a Christian biblical perspective, work has to be done like always to define terms because we need to know what we're talking about here. Some view joy as kind of the ear-to-ear smile that you get in life when you participate in something that you really like or some circumstance comes that you really like in life. So, so maybe it is, uh, for all those music lovers who love to go see bands, maybe joy to you is your favorite band playing your favorite song at your favorite venue, and that, that's joy, right? You hit all of those circumstances and joy comes to you. Or or maybe joy is the the time that you saw your child uh, take their their, their first couple steps before you realized all of the danger zones in your house. Maybe that was joy. Or or maybe it was when you watched a movie, and, and you can't even really help it, but you just sat back and you just started smiling because it did something in you and brought you joy. Or, or maybe is that, that joy is that uh, kind of a stomach pain that you get when you laugh too much on a perfect night with good friends, great food, and, and maybe a little bit of something to drink with them. Maybe that's where you hit joy. And while those moments all have elements of joy, absolutely, they may actually be better understood as happiness, or at least they may be understood better as, as joy, but not full joy. Another way to put it is uh, those things may bring you a momentary joy a circumstantial joy to our lives, which is good and it's worth celebrating and have a great time in momentary joy if you're not sinning against God in the process, but but there's a different joy available to you, a deeper one that is not momentary, a joy that beckons you if you're a follower of Christ, especially around Christmas to to participate in it, a joy tied uh, not to a passing event or or a single moment or a certain thing, but a joy that is yours because of the work in Christ, even right now, even if your your week has been just hot trash, that joy is available to you. Why? Because it's outside of your circumstance. Let's back up a little bit and Again, make sure we understand what we're talking about. After creation in Genesis, first book of the Bible, all the way back, God looks at what he created and what does he say? It's very good. There we go. Interaction. I like it. God looks at what he's created it's been, and says it is very good. Now, now think about the times when you've worked on creating something. Maybe, maybe you went on a deep dive in Pinterest. Even guys do that. They've got cool stuff on there. You did a deep dive on Pinterest and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to make something artsy. 
I'm gonna make a craft. I'm gonna do a DIY, and it's not gonna be a DIY fail, right? So you, you, you look at it, you get the idea, you go acquire the supplies, then if you're like me, you watch 18 YouTube videos to make sure you really know how to do it. So you've spent the time, you've seen, you've researched, you've watched, and then you undertake making something, and then you finish. And you look at the fruits of your labor, and you say, it's okay, <laughs> right? It'll do. It's pretty if you look at it from a distance, <laughs> right? Or, or, or maybe you did the other way. You go, well, I tried, and you throw in the trash. <laughs> this wasn't God's reaction after creation. He looked at what he'd done, out, out of what he'd created, ex nihilo, out of nothing, and he breathed this thing, and he looked, and he said, that's very good. Not kind of good, not kind of average, very, very good. Because of that, it should not be surprising that we, as the crown of his creation, uh, might be able to live even in this sin-marred, fallen creation and find some forms of joy in the beautiful world that God created. We can get a little too far with the fall to believe that everything's wrecked and you can't have joy. No, there's some cool things that you can do and experience joy still. There's some certain situations and circumstances that God created and we can sit back and go, that was awesome, and find joy in it. The Bible even talks about these types of joy all over the Psalms and the Proverbs in the Old Testament, saying things like, did you know this was in there? God gave us wine as a gift to bring us joy. It's in the Bible. It says that weddings should be sources of joy. I feel, felt a little convicted about that because a lot of times when I get an invitation to a wedding, I'm like, oh, man. Um, it says children should be a source of joy. <laughs> yep. And it says perfume brings joy to the nose like a good friend brings joy to the heart. That one's a little bit more relatable, I think. So there's definitely an element of joy available to you through circumstance. But what's the problem with that type of joy? Or only having that kind of joy? Well, it's that it's circumstantial. Uh, and we all know this about life. Circumstances change. The moment passes, the experience ends, and soon after it does, the joy that came in the moment through some circumstantial thing slowly evaporates away from you I experience this every single year, or at least I have for the last four years. I get to go to the mountains in Colorado the last four years, and I experience joy. There, my allergies don't hate me. Um, there, the, one of the really bad things about the fall called humidity isn't there. Um, I get to slow down the pace of life and enjoy the outdoors with my family. Uh, this last year, one of the little joys that I really uh, liked is I would take the, the, the boys and just me and them a couple different times would go to this crepe stand and we'd get crepes and they'd literally have Nutella from a crepe, like from ear to ear, and they'd be like trying to lick it off. It was, it was wonderful, right? And then we get to do goofy things, like I get to take smooching selfies with my wife on top of mountains. It, it was great. And then I pretend like I'm young, invincible, and brave and, and fly down mountain bike trails with some other pastor friends of mine. Those days bring great joy to my heart. I love those moments. But at some point, I find myself driving through purgatory or Kansas. It's a dark, dark trick. We, we, when we leave, we go up this mountain in Keystone to this pass, Loveland Pass, and you're, 
you're way up. And when we leave there, it's, it's in the morning, and it's, it's pretty chilly on top of that mountain. And then in Kansas, 100 degrees, long, straight. There's nothing pretty there. If you're from Kansas, sorry, but... As I head back, slowly but surely, the moments of joy that I experienced, they're not lost. I, they're like, I, I can still kind of tap into them in some ways, but here's the reality. That do- joy is less tangible, and it's, I, I can't do as much with it. Why? Because it's, then it's a memory. That is the way it goes with momentary or circumstantial joys in life. They are fun. Hear me again. We're not negative nellying it. They're necessary. They're beautiful. They're to be enjoyed, but they aren't lasting and they aren't the best thing out there for you. So be careful about only living for momentary or lesser joys. What's the knock on really, I guess I'm a little bit too old to be in that generation, but the the generation just a little bit younger than me, what's the knock? You only live for yourself, but what are they doing? They're not only living for themselves, they're living for momentary joys. Travel more, do more, go more, be more. What's that? It's all momentary joy life. I get the drive to it. The Bible would just say it's, it's not wise because at some point it, it will elude you and there's also something better available to you. There's a different joy available. The message in plain sight for us at Christmas really is this message of joy, though. There is more. There's more joy available to you now because of Christ and, because we can't just stop because of Christ, because of Christ and in Christ, right? You don't get the joy of Christ outside of Christ. The joy of Christ because of Christ in Christ, and this joy isn't momentary. It doesn't fade, and even on dark days, difficult years that a virus is around, it can still be yours. If you begin to look for it, this message is all over the Bible narrative, though. There is joy that can be experienced in life, and then there's this other joy, And they normally put some qualifying terms around it, but they're really talking about two different things. You'll hear it called a great joy, right? That that verse about wine, it doesn't say God gave you wine as a great joy. No, no, that's just a momentary joy. It's not everything. There's a great joy available. There's a full joy available. There's a complete joy available to you in Christ. Let's look at a couple examples of this in the Bible this morning. Uh, the first we'll look at is in the Gospel of Luke. This is right after Jesus' birth. The, the next thing that gets written about in the Gospel of Luke is this an angel appears to shepherds nearby. Right? Just shepherds, what do shepherds do? They just watch sheep. They're out in a field. They're not, they're not in some high, nice building and tons of people around. They, he didn't show up to a huge party. Angels show up just to these shepherds out in a field. And look at what the angels say in Luke 2, 10 through 14. And the angel said to them, fear not. They were scared. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly angels, uh, of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, right? So there's one angel, and then they're like, then there's a party of angels, and they say, glory to God on the highest. Why? And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace with God. In the gospel account, the very first thing that is written about right after Jesus' birth, immediately after this beautiful statement is given, behold. When you see that in the Bible, it's just clearly saying, pay attention, watch out, check this out. Behold, I bring you okay news. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The idea is, is even the angel speaking to these shepherds can barely contain himself. Check it out. Great joy because of Jesus' birth. Great joy, not momentary joy, not fleeting joy. Great joy. Only when studying the original language of the Bible do we realize that our language is pretty crude or at least basic compared to many of the languages in the, the world. So we have a hard time uh, really processing this great joy. In the original language, this word for great just doesn't mean our English great. It, it actually means uh, uh, immense and loud. The angel appears saying there's this huge, immense, loud joy. It's not a whisper. It's not a little joy. It's not a side thought. It is it's this booming, loud, immersive joy available. It's all-encompassing. This massive joy has just come. Why? Because this child is born. This child is a great joy for all the people and available to anyone to bring peace with God. Notice these things. This greater joy is going to be tied with your relationship with God. Greatest joys don't come in momentary things. They come in regards to your relationship and your connection to God. One author says, joy comes not just to the lowly shepherds or isolated parents far from home. Joy comes to all people in the moment, uh, the most unlikely place amid the most unlikely spectators. God brushed aside the world's fears and provided the world reason for joy, for great joy. Then in the book of John, near the end of Jesus' ministry, he says, this is from Jesus himself to the disciples. He says this in relation to them abiding in him and in God's love. This term abiding is, is resting in, living in, participating in. It's this intentional being a part of the love of Christ and the love of God. So John 15, 9 through 11, as the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be not momentary, full. Again, we see this intentional wording. Jesus is not talking about a passing joy. He's talking about a full joy, not a momentary joy, not a little joy, not a fleeting joy, not a whispering joy, but a screaming loud joy. The connection here is specifically Jesus is speaking how to live in a place of full joy, 
a kind of joy that is completely separated from your circumstance. And the how is all about from Jesus abiding in the love of Christ, to push into and be a part of and live in this relationship with the Godhead that you have been, uh, you have been invited into. Before we move on to that last example, I hope that you're seeing this. The Bible over and over drops these clear pictures of greater joy, full joy, complete joy available to all the people. Sure, there is fun, smaller joys. Have fun. Don't let them take you, though. Don't let them have all of you. There's a beautiful reality in these as well that Luke said, available to all the people. What does that mean to us? Whether you're rich or not, whether you're educated or not, whether you're from any nationality or any background or with any struggle, is that joy available to me? Yeah. Yes, because Jesus in his righteousness is is the hinge of that joy, not you and your righteousness. Then we'll look at 1 John 1, 1 through 14. That which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And then verse 4, here it is. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This text, there's a little bit of tricky language, but it's worth processing. John, the author, he, he starts off by laying out his credentials a little bit, and he's not doing it as a, as a prideful puffing out uh, of his chest. Like he, He's not trying to get you to think he's amazing. They actually had a big problem with false teachers back then the same way that we do now. So John says, okay, I I need to prove or validate the reality of what I'm saying that you should listen. He says, okay, that which was from the beginning, Jesus, we've personally heard his words with our own ears. We get desensitized to things. If someone walks up to you and goes, there's something that has been since the beginning of all time, and I heard it, you're either going to go, tell me more or get away from me but you can't leave unfazed from that reality. Then he adds to it. We have seen him personally with our own eyes. We've touched him with our very own hands, that which was from the beginning. We've done these things. This is to say I'm writing you these things from a firsthand account. This isn't a game of telephone, right? Where you possibly get confused where the message of the third time off gets into this weird thing that was never what it was supposed to be. He, he's saying, I'm coming to you with an eyewitness account and an unaltered message that Christ, the word of life, was made manifest. What does that mean? He showed up. And as he did, he brought with him a message for us about eternal life. This eternal life is a life in fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. This eternal life that he's speaking of is the life for all eternity that you were created for. You're wired for this, 
right? We, we all like to talk about hyper-individuality. This is the reason all of us were created. These verses then serve as a jumping off point for the rest of the book of 1 John. But the point is eternal life is the life that you were created for. The life that your soul yearns for is this life of of unmarred, unhindered relationship with the Godhead to know this and, and to live inside that reality and to hold to it and walk as if that's true is what we are called to. And this is the place that complete joy hits your heart. We have to understand this. You were made by a creator and for a reason. And what has sin done? It screwed up our meaning. We live for meaning out of things that that we were not even created to. And what this is doing is it's resetting and fixing us to where we can actually live for what we were created to live for. And in that spot where you actually kind of live in light of what you were created for, it's where your heart finds complete joy in that spot. And that spot has to do with having a relationship with God that is not marred anymore because of your sin or your shame. Does the best joy in life then come from marriage? No. Does it come from kids? Good. Vacations, jobs, money, looks, six-pack? I don't know about that one. Drink, friendship, music, television? No. Those are created things. If you want to go after them, enjoy them. Just don't make them ultimate. They just will never bring you complete joy. Complete joy comes as you live in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Why? Because you were created for that. This is what you're made for. It's literally why you exist. For some of us, I think we hear that and we're like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But I would say that it proves to be true that every time that you try and live the opposite way that you don't ever hit the joy that you want. So I'd say probably deep down in your heart, you kind of know it's true, even if you don't like the fact that it's true. And therefore, you find complete joy living inside your meeting, living inside your relationship with God that you get invited into, and your invitation is a gift. Out of the blue, that you didn't earn, and it will never be taken away from you, even on your really, really, really crummy days. If you're asking, okay, well, why is this take on joy an Advent or Christmas message? Couldn't this be any message? Yes, it could, but the reason that this is an Advent or Christmas message is because without Christ coming down and putting on flesh, without him entering into our story to pay for our sins uh, and the sins that he didn't commit, without him making a way through his own blood for our salvation, then there would be no possible way for us to have complete joy because we'd have no possible way to live in fellowship and relationship with God. He had to come to fix the marred brokenness that we created because of our sin so that we could not just get a clean bill of you're not going to hell, but so that we could live in a right relationship with God, which we were created to do. Jesus' birth literally sets into motion the only thing that that could redeem you. We had no way to fix our problem of sin, no way to fix our relationship with God, and that is exactly why Christ came, exactly why he was born. He came always on a collision course with a cross and death, all to buy our way out of the deep hole that we had dug for ourselves because of sin. And this is exactly why the angel appears in Luke 2. I kind of think freaking out going, guys, 
Good news. He's come. He's going to fix it all. Great joy is available. With his, with his arrival, our path to our greatest joy and fellowship with God started. Our ability to live inside our meaning was given. If he didn't come, you would never, ever, ever hit complete joy. You would be lost and you would die. And you'd never be redeemed to a relationship with the Father. I want to step back and look even further at the full beauty of what Christ has done. Because Christ has come and paid for our sins if our faith is placed in him. Uh, And because of that, we do not have to choose anymore between lesser joys and full joy. That's extremely important. We now can enjoy the things in life through the creation while participating in the full joy of being in fellowship with God. There is this narrative that plays out in the world and it plays out in our own minds and our own hearts that, it, that is this, uh, to follow God is to leave joy on the table. It's to sacrifice joy somehow. Basically, we get tricked into believing, well, you can have joy or you can have God. Make your choice. The devastating reality of that lie that we tell ourselves and the world tells it as it tells you, you can't have both, so decide. But the beauty of the gospel is you can. This is part of the tragic circumstance in Romans 1 where Paul says they believed a lie about God. And they began to worship creation over creator. So, so what does that mean? They believed that they couldn't have enough joy in their life with God, so they tried to pursue all the earthly joy that they could outside of God. So they said, forget it, YOLO, I'm going to squeeze every drop of joy out of this world that I can. The sad thing about this is the reality of Christmas is I'm going to say this in as orthodox way as I can. You can have your cake and eat it too. He's not trying to steal your joy. You can have both. You can find joy in good, God-honoring, beautiful things while you live your life, and you can do it while experiencing complete joy in fellowship with God. Then catch this. After you breathe your last, you'll do it in unhindered communion, and one day seeing all things put back together, and there will be never another tear out of your eye. Joy here and complete joy in one day, unhindered relationship and a completely perfect creation. The enemy tells you over and over, he's going to suffocate you. He's going to take your joy. He's going to rob you. The beauty of the gospel, he's the only one that cares and understands your joy more than you do. And he's come to supply it. This is the joy that we have, what what Christ redeeming uh, does. It redeems us not just from our sin, but we also get to live for the very reason that we are created, to have a relationship with God. This is why we celebrate Christmas. As corny as it seems, this is why every present you give is a tiny little imposter for the greater present of God wrapping his son in flesh to come die for you. And in that, salvation was made possible and you were able to be put back together. Even in 2020, even with a mask on, even with COVID, even without a vaccination in your arm. My hope for you and for me, church, is that our eyes would be set on this great grace that God has given to you and me if we follow Christ. 
Christ's coming literally means so has your full and complete joy, and so has the restoration of all that's broken in you. He's come not to hurt you, but to lovingly put you back together. Christmas shows us this, and one day we'll fully enjoy it without any brokenness around us again. Joy is made available because a child was born unto us, a joy for all the people. This child would change everything. The question is, do you believe that? And I pray that you do and that your hope and joy would be secure in that beautiful reality today. Christ has come not for perfect people, thank God, or else I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything to do with him. He's come for broken people like us, offers us everything that we need. You guys, don't get lost in the holiday season where you can't see that. He cares, he's put you back together and your very reason for meaning he's made possible. Man, do you guys come back up? We'll sing a couple songs in worship to close. And then we'll have the availability to take communion. We've got the one-off cups in the entryway. But as we remember the joy that he's brought, we also remember kind of what he did to secure that joy. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the cup, and he, when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, every time that your identity goes sideways, the beauty of communion in the table is you remember that he still had his body broken for you, so you don't have to try and break yourself. His blood was spilled for you, so you don't have to try and make yourself righteous again. To find joy only comes through realizing that he's put you back together through him being broken. So as we worship at any time that you want, take the elements, and and remember, this is his body and blood for you. He cares for you. Are you the only thing he cares about? No, but he does care for you, and he's died for you, and he's put you back together. I pray that your heart would be enriched in that and that you would find hope and great joy. God, thank you for today. I thank you that you have given us a means and a mode and a way for for joy, even in a crazy time. Lord, I pray that you would draw near, that we would feel the reality and the beauty of what you have done, that you would come close to our hearts, that you would show us maybe where we have overly invested in lesser joys. Uh, where needed that you would show us the places that we've invested in, in, in thieves of our joy in sinful ways. Would you, would you show us that those are enslaving us and not helping us, Lord? I pray in each and every way that you would draw us closer to you. May we walk out with clear eyes and be able to enjoy the beauty of what you have created and may our hearts be full as we can do it, seeing that you love us and you care for us. Thank you that you're good and kind, more gracious than we deserve. Thank you for putting us back together. We love you, God. Be glorified here today. Amen.